Chapter Three of The Coquette, or The History of Eliza Wharton, by Hannah Webster Foster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by John Miller. Letter Fifteen to Miss Eliza Wharton, Hartford. I congratulate you, my dear Eliza, on the stability of your conduct toward Mr. Boyer. Pursue the system which you have adopted, and I dare say that happiness will crown your future days. You are indeed very tenacious of your freedom, as you call it, but that is a play about words. A man of Mr. Boyer's honor and good sense will never abridge any privileges which virtue can claim. When do you return to embellish our society here? I am impatient to see you, and likewise this amiable man. I am much interested in his favor. By the way, I am told that Major Sanford has been to look at the seat of Captain Pribble, which is upon sale. It is reported that he will probably purchase it. Many of our gentry are pleased with the prospect of such a neighbor. As an accomplished gentleman, say they, he will be an agreeable addition to our social parties, and as a man of property and public spirit, he will be an advantage to the town. But from what I have heard of him, I am far from supposing him a desirable acquisition in either of these respects. A man of a vicious character cannot be a good member of society. In order to that, his principles and practice must be uncorrupted. In his morals, at least, he must be a man of probity and honor. Of these qualifications, if I mistake not, this gallant of yours cannot boast. But I shall not set up for a censor. I hope neither you nor I shall have much connection with him. My swain interests himself very much in your affairs. You will possibly think him impertinent, but I give his curiosity a softer name. Should I own to you that I place great confidence in his integrity and honor, you would, perhaps, laugh at my weakness. But, my dear, I have pride enough to keep me above coquetry or prudery, and discretion enough, I hope, to secure me from the errors of both. With him I have determined to walk the future round of life. What folly, then, would it be to affect reserve and distance relative to an affair in which I have so much interest? Not that I am going to betray your secrets. These I have no right to divulge. But I must be the judge what may and what may not be communicated. I am very much pressed for an early day of consummation, but I shall not listen to a request of that kind till your return. Such is my regard for you that a union of love would be imperfect if friendship attended not the rights. Adieu, Lucy Freeman. Letter 16. To Miss Lucy Freeman. New Haven. We go on charmingly here, almost as soft and smooth as your ladyship. It seems to me that love must stagnate if it have not a light breeze of discord once in a while to keep it in motion. We have not tried any yet, however. We had a lovely tour this forenoon, were out three long hours and returned to dinner in perfect harmony. Mr. Boyer informed me that he should set out tomorrow morning for his future residence and soon put on the sacred bands. He solicited an epistolary correspondence at the same time as an alleviation of the care which that weighty charge would bring on his mind. I consented, telling him that he must not expect anything more than general subjects from me. We were somewhat interrupted in our confidential intercourse in the afternoon by the arrival of major sanford i cannot say that i was not agreeably relieved so sweet a repast for several hours together was rather sickening to my taste my enamorado looked a little 
mortified at the cheerful reception which i gave the intruder and joined not so placidly in the social conversation as i could have wished when mr boyer after the major took leave pressed me to give him some assurance of my constancy i only reminded him of the terms of our engagement seeing me decided he was silent on the subject and soon bid me an affectionate adieu not expecting as he told me the pleasure of a personal interview again for two or three months thus far we have proceeded in this sober business a good beginning you will say perhaps it is i do not however feel myself greatly interested in the progress of the negotiation time may consolidate my affections and enable me to fix them on some particular object at present the most lively emotions of my heart are those of friendship that friendship which i hope you will soon participate with your faithful eliza wharton letter seventeen to mr selby new haven i have succeeded in my addresses to the lovely eliza wharton as far at least as i had any reason to expect from our short acquaintance i find the graces of her person and mind rise in my esteem and have already enjoyed in her society some of the happiest hours of my life she is kind affable and condescending yet i must own that i have not been able to infuse into her bosom the ardor which i feel in my own i know that the native modesty of the sex would restrain the discovery but there is an animation of countenance which betrays the sensations of the heart that i find wanting in hers on this occasion i have just taken leave of my fair and propose returning to-morrow morning to take upon me the solemn charge which lies with such weight upon my mind that i need every support both human and divine eliza has promised to correspond with me from this i anticipate a source of pleasure which alone can atone for her absence i am etc j boyer letter eighteen to mr charles dayton new haven do you know charles that i have commenced lover i was always a general one but now i am somewhat particular i shall be the more interested as i am likely to meet with difficulties and it is the glory of a rake as well as a christian to combat obstacles the same eliza of whom i have told you has really made more impression on my heart than i was aware of or than the sex take them as they rise are wont to do but she is besieged by a priest a likely lad though i know not how it is but they are commonly successful with the girls even the gayest of them this one too has the interest of all her friends as i am told i called yesterday at general richmond's and found this pair together apparently too happy in each other's society for my wishes i must own that i felt a glow of jealousy which i never experienced before and vowed revenge for the pain it gave me though but momentary yet eliza's reception of me was visibly cordial nay i fancied my company as pleasing to her as that which she had before i tarried not long but left him to the enjoyment of that pleasure which i flatter myself will be short-lived oh i have another plan in my head a plan of necessity which you know is the mother of invention it is this i am very much courted and caressed by the family of mr lawrence a man of large property in this neighborhood he has only one child a daughter with whom i imagine the old folks intend to shackle me in the bonds of matrimony the girl looks very well she has no soul though that i can discover she is heiress nevertheless to a great fortune and that is all the soul i wish for in a wife in truth charles i know of no other way to mend my circumstances 
but lisp not a word of my embarrassments for your life show and equipage are my hobby horse and if any female wish to share them with me and will furnish me with the means of supporting them i have no objection could i conform to the sober rules of wedded life and renounce those dear enjoyments of dissipation in which i have so long indulged i know not the lady in the world with whom i would sooner form a connection of this sort than with eliza warden but it will never do if my fortune or hers were better i would risk a union but as they are no idea of the kind can be admitted i shall endeavor notwithstanding to enjoy her company as long as possible though i cannot possess her wholly myself i will not tamely see her the property of another i am now going to call at general richmond's in hopes of an opportunity to profess my devotion to her i know i am not a welcome visitor to the family but i am independent of their censure or esteem and mean to act accordingly peter sanford letter nineteen to miss lucy freeman new haven i find the ideas of sobriety and domestic solicitude i have been cultivating for three days past somewhat deranged by the interruption of a visitor with whom i know you will not be pleased it is no other than major sanford i was walking alone in the garden yesterday when he suddenly appeared to my view how happy am i said he seizing my hand in this opportunity of finding you alone an opportunity miss wharton which i must improve in expatiating on a theme that fills my heart and solely animates my frame i was startled at his impetuosity and displeased with his freedom withdrawing my hand i told him that my retirement was sacred he bowed submissively begged pardon for his intrusion alleged that he found nobody but the servants in the house that they informed him i was alone in the garden which intelligence was too pleasing for him to consult any forms of ceremony for the regulation of his conduct he then went on rhapsodically to declare his passion his suspicions that i was forming a connection with mr boyer which would effectually destroy all his hopes of future happiness he painted the restraint the confinement the embarrassments to which a woman connected with a man of mr boyer's profession must be subjected however agreeable his person might be he asked if my generous mind could submit to cares and perplexities like these whether i could not find greater sources of enjoyment in a more elevated sphere of life or share pleasures better suited to my genius and disposition even in a single state i listened to him involuntarily my heart did not approve his sentiments but my ear was charmed with his rhetoric and my fancy captivated by his address he invited my confidence by the most ardent professions of friendship and labored to remove my suspicions by vows of sincerity i was induced by his importunity gradually to disclose the state of affairs between mr boyer and myself he listened eagerly wished not he said to influence me unduly but if i were not otherwise engaged might he presume to solicit a place in my friendship and esteem be admitted to enjoy my society to visit me as an acquaintance and to attend my excursions and amusements as a brother if no more i replied that i was a pensioner of friendship at present that my friends were extremely refined in their notions of propriety and that i had no right to receive visitants independent of them i understand you madam said he you intimate that my company is not agreeable to them but i know not why surely my rank in life is as elevated 
and my knowledge of and acceptance in the world are as extensive as general richmond's i hope said i since we are engaged in the conversation that you will excuse my frankness if i tell you that the understanding and virtue of this worthy couple induce them without any regard to rank to bestow their esteem wherever it is merited i cannot say that you are not a sharer your own heart can best determine whether upon their principles you are or not he appeared mortified and chagrined and we had walked some distance without exchanging a word or a look at last he rejoined i plead guilty to the charge madam which they have undoubtedly brought against me of imprudence and folly in many particulars yet of malignancy and vice i am innocent brought up in affluence inured from my infancy to the gratification of every passion the indulgence of every wish it is not strange that a life of dissipation and gaiety should prove alluring to a youthful mind which had no care but to procure what it deemed enjoyment in this pursuit i have perhaps deviated from the rigid rules of discretion and the harsher laws of morality but let the veil of charity be drawn over my faults let the eye of candor impartially examine my present behavior let the kind and lenient hand of friendship assist in directing my future steps and perhaps i may not prove unworthy of associating with the respectable inhabitants of this happy mansion for such i am sure it must be while honored with miss wharton's presence but circumstance as you and i are at present i will not sue for your attention as a lover but rest contented if possible with that share of kindness and regard which your benevolence may afford me as a friend i bowed in approbation of his resolution he pressed my hand with ardor to his lips and at that instant general richmond entered the garden he approached us cheerfully offered major sanford his hand with apparent cordiality and told us pleasantly that he hoped he should not be considered as an intruder by no means sir said major sanford it is i who have incurred that imputation i called this afternoon to pay you my respects when being informed that you and your lady were abroad and that miss wharton was in the garden i took the liberty to invade her retirement she has graciously forgiven my crime and i was just affixing the seal to my pardon as you entered we then returned into the house mrs richmond received us politely during tea the conversation turned on literary subjects in which i cannot say that the major bore a very distinguished part after he was gone mrs richmond said i hope you have been agreeably entertained miss wharton i did not choose my company madam said i nor said she did you refuse it i presume would you not have me respect the rights of hospitality towards your guests when you are absent madam if you had acted from that motive i own my obligations to you my dear but even that consideration can hardly reconcile me to the sacrifice of time which you have made to the amusement of a seducer i hope madam you do not think me an object of seduction i do not think you seducible nor was richardson's clarissa till she made herself the victim by her own indiscretion pardon me eliza this is a second lovelace i am alarmed by his artful intrusions his insinuating attention to you are characteristic of the man come i presume you are not interested to keep his secrets if you know them will you give me a little sketch of his conversation most willingly said i and accordingly related the whole 
When I had concluded, she shook her head and replied, Beware, my friend, of his arts. Your own heart is too sincere to suspect treachery and dissimulation in another. But suffer not your ear to be charmed by the siren voice of flattery, nor your eye to be caught by the phantom of gaiety and pleasure. Remember your engagements to Mr. Boyer. Let sincerity and virtue be your guides, and they will lead you to happiness and peace. She waited not for an answer, but immediately rising, begged leave to retire, alleging that she was fatigued. General Richmond accompanied her, and I hastened to my apartment, where I have written thus far, and shall send it on, for your comments. I begin to think of returning soon to your circle. One inducement is that I may be free from the intrusions of this man. Adieu, Eliza Wharton. Chapter 20. To Mrs. M. Wharton. New Haven. From the conversation of the polite, the sedate, the engaging, and the gay, from corresponding with the learned, the sentimental, and the refined, my heart and my pen turn with ardor and alacrity to a tender and affectionate parent, the faithful guardian and guide of my youth, the unchanging friend of my riper years. The different dispositions of various associates sometimes perplex the mind which seeks direction, but in the disinterested affection of the maternal breast we fear no dissonance of passion, no jarring interest, no disunion of love. In this seat of felicity is every enjoyment which fancy can form or friendship with affluence bestow, but still my mind frequently returns to the happy shades of my nativity. I wish there to impart my pleasures and share the counsels of my best, my long-tried and experienced friend. At this time, my dear mamma, I am peculiarly solicitous for your advice. I am again importuned to listen to the voice of love, again called upon to accept the addresses of a gentleman of merit and respectability. You will know the character of the man when I tell you it is Mr. Boyer. But his situation in life, I dare not enter it. My disposition is not calculated for that sphere. There are duties arising from the station which I fear I should not be able to fulfill, cares and restraints to which I could not submit. This man is not disagreeable to me, but if I must enter the connubial state, are there not others who may be equally pleasing in their persons and whose profession may be more conformable to my taste? You, madam, have passed through this scene of trial with honor and applause, but alas, can your volatile daughter ever acquire your wisdom, ever possess your resolution, dignity, and prudence? I hope soon to converse with you personally upon the subject and to profit by your precepts and example. I anticipate the hour of my return to your bosom with impatience. My daily thoughts and nightly dreams restore me to the society of my beloved mamma. Until I enjoy it in reality, I subscribe myself your dutiful daughter, Eliza Wharton. Letter 21. To Miss Eliza Wharton. Hartford. How welcome to me, my dear Eliza are the tidings of your return. My widowed heart has mourned your absence and languished for the company of its now dearest connection. When stripped of one dependence, the mind naturally collects and rests itself in another. Your father's death deprived me for a while of every enjoyment, but a reviving sense of the duties which I owed to a rising family roused me from the lethargy of grief. In my cares I found an alleviation of my sorrows, the expanding virtues of my children soothed and exhilarated my drooping spirits, 
and my attention to their education and interest was amply rewarded by their proficiency and duty in them every hope every pleasure now centres they are the axis on which revolves the temporal felicity of their mother judge then my dear how anxiously i must watch how solicitously i must regard every circumstance which relates to their welfare and prosperity exquisitely alive to these sensations your letter awakens my hopes and my fears as you are young and charming a thousand dangers lurk unseen around you i wish you to find a friend and protector worthy of being rewarded by your love and your society such a one i think mr boyer will prove i am therefore sorry since there can be no other that his profession should be an objection in your mind you say that i have experienced the scenes of trial connected with that station i have indeed and i will tell you the result of the experience it is that i have found it replete with happiness no class of society has domestic enjoyment more at command than clergymen their circumstances are generally a decent competency they are removed alike from the perplexing cares of want and the distracting parade of wealth they are respected by all ranks and partakers of the best company with regard to its being a dependent situation what one is not so are we not all links in the great chain of society some more some less important but each upheld by others throughout the confederated whole in whatever situation we are placed our greater or less degree of happiness must be derived from ourselves happiness is in a great measure the result of our own dispositions and actions let us conduct uprightly and justly with propriety and steadiness not servilely cringing for favor nor arrogantly claiming more attention and respect than our due let us bear with fortitude the providential and unavoidable evils of life and we shall spend our days with respectability and contentment at least i will not expatiate on the topic of your letter till we have a personal interview for which i am indeed impatient return my daughter as soon as politeness will allow to your expecting friends more especially to the fond embraces of your affectionate mother m wharton letter twenty two to miss eliza wharton hampshire can time can distance can absence allay or extinguish the sentiments of refined affection the ardor of true love no my dear eliza if i may judge by my own heart i shall say they cannot amidst the parade which has attended me the interesting scenes in which i have been engaged and the weighty cares which have occupied my attention your idea has been the solace of my retired moments the soother of every anxious thought i recall with pleasure the conversation which we have shared i dwell with rapture on the marks of favor which i have received from you my first wish is the continuance and increase of these favors my highest ambition to deserve them i look forward and anticipate with impatience the future enjoyment of your society and hope we shall one day experience the reality of those beautiful lines of thompson an elegant sufficiency content retirement rural quiet friendship books ease and alternate labor useful life progressive virtue and approving heaven these are the matchless joys of virtuous love mr selby my particular friend will have the honor of delivering this letter he will be able to give you any information relative to our public transactions 
which you may wish. May I solicit the favor of a line through him in return? It will relieve in some measure the tediousness of this separation. I intend to pay my respects to you personally in about a fortnight, till when I subscribe myself your sincere and affectionate friend, J. Boyer. Letter 23 to the Reverend J. Boyer. New Haven. I have executed your commission and been amply rewarded for my trouble by the pleasure I enjoyed in the society of the agreeable family to which I was introduced, especially of the amiable and accomplished lady who is the object of your particular regard. I think she fully justifies your partiality to her. She appears to possess both the virtues and the graces. Her form is fine, and her countenance interests us at once in her favor. There is a mixture of dignity and ease which commands respect and conciliates affection. After these encomiums, you will permit me to say there is an air of gaiety in her appearance and deportment which savors a little of coquetry. I am persuaded, however, that she has too much good sense to practice its arts. She received your letter very graciously, asked leave to retire a few moments, and returned with a smile of complacency on her brow, which I construe favorably to you. There was a Mr. Lawrence with his lady and daughter, and a certain Major Sanford at the house. The latter, I believe, in the modern sense of the phrase, is much of a gentleman, that is, a man of show and fashion. Miss Warden asked me when I should leave town, and when I should return, or have an opportunity of conveyance to Hampshire. I told her I should write by the next post, and if she had any commands, would be happy to execute them. She would send a line to her friend, she said, if I would take the trouble to enclose it in my letter. I readily consented, and told her that I would call and receive her favor tomorrow morning. This chit-chat was a little aside, but I could not but observe that the foresaid Major Sanford had dropped his part in the conversation of the rest of the company, and was attending to us, though he endeavored to conceal his attention by looking carelessly over a play which lay on the window by him. Yet he evidently watched every word and action of Miss Warden as if he were really interested in her movements. It is said she has many admirers, and I conceive it very possible that this may be one of them, though truly I do not think that she would esteem such a conquest any great honor. I now joined in the general topic of conversation, which was politics. Mrs. Richmond and Miss Wharton judiciously yet modestly bore a part, while the other ladies amused themselves with Major Sanford, who was making his sage remarks on the play, which he still kept in his hand. General Richmond at length observed that we had formed into parties. Major Sanford upon this laid aside his book. Miss Lawrence simpered, and looked as if she was well pleased with being in a party with so fine a man, while her mother replied that she never meddled with politics, she thought they did not belong to ladies. Miss Wharton and I, said Mrs. Richmond, must beg leave to differ from you, madam. We think ourselves interested in the welfare and prosperity of our country, and consequently claim the right of inquiring into those affairs which may conduce to or interfere with the common weal. We shall not be called to the Senate or the field to assert its privileges and defend its rights, but we shall feel for the honor and safety of our friends and connections who are thus employed. If the community flourish and enjoy health and freedom, shall we not share in the happy effects? If it be oppressed and disturbed, shall we not endure our proportion of the evil? Why then should the love of our country be a masculine passion only? 
why should government which involves the peace and order of the society of which we are a part be wholly excluded from our observation miss lawrence made some slight reply and waived the subject the gentlemen applauded mrs richmond's sentiments as truly roman and what was more they said truly republican i rose to take leave observing to miss wharton that i should call to-morrow as agreed upon this general richmond politely requested the favor of my company at dinner i accepted his invitation and bid them good-night i shall do the same to you for the present as i intend to-morrow to scribble the cover which is to enclose your eliza's letter t selby end of chapter three recording by john miller akron ohio johnmiller.org